Welcome to episode 169 of Tim nice. Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back with some more Justice League this week. Some really fun episodes. I think my mm-hmm. favorite so far. And that's what happens when we skip to the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> they typically seem to be good. We did have to do a slight rearranging uh, based on the suggestion of good old James Trekker over at the uh, Watchtower database, uh, because apparently this episode is canonically critical. Uh, We're, of course, referring to Injustice for All. We have to do this before we get to Fury, because we're going to see a return of the Injustice gang. Uh, But yeah, this is some of my favorite Justice League stuff so far. But first, per tradition, uh, what's happening in the world of entertainment news? Cameron, anything worth noting this week? Nope. Nope. Great. All right. That was quick. Yeah. Uh, no, we got, I, I think probably everyone's most exciting thing this morning or the other day was, it was announced that, uh, Michael B. Jordan has been pulled in <gasps> to help with a static shock movie. He's going to be producer, right? Yeah. So he's going to be, um, producing the film underneath his Warner based production banner outlier society. Uh, yes. and this is, this is very, very exciting news. So it was, it was announced that he'd be working with, um, Reginald Hudlin, who's a, a very prolific writer producer, and also one of the execs who's helping bring Milestone Comics back, um, that Amazing. they're going to be working together, kind of like the, the creative producing side of making this all come together. And I, look, this is exciting for multiple reasons. One is any sort of movement on a static shock project is exciting, especially when it's, uh, you know, a talent attached that can help get it made by nature of being the producer, but also it's exciting because it's fucking Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just rewatched black Panther this week. Oh and it's like, man. And, and kind of to your point, yeah, if anyone I think can kind of push it through this DC production, hell, I feel like Michael B. Jordan can like get this thing done. I, th- I think so. Yeah. And I, I, from what I've read, I guess he's quite the comic book nerd actually which is pretty yeah, cool comic which, and anime nerd he, he's just like, he's just a good guy it just uh, honestly like i didn't know he could get any sex here and then he does oh, he get, did like, you see God. his his uh thirsty for justice uh instagram post oh his like oh yeah his his uh his thirst shot for encourage people to go out there and vote yes i i've, oh. I've coined the phrase thirsty for justice for anyone who does <laughs> thirst traps for to get people to vote i mean it is it's it's a it's a work of art is what it is yeah um so god chris connected to this news i i i feel like there must be we're both excited we want this movie to happen yeah but this is the 20th film that dc has now announced is in production are you are you gonna list them all let me just read you a couple of them chris Uh (laughs) so most some of them are through production hell, we're into the post-production side or the production side of some of them. So Wonder Woman 84, Suicide Squad 2, The Batman, Black Adam, Flash, Shazam 2, and Aquaman 2, I think have all kind of like started movement forward. Yeah. We've had others announced over the past couple of years, like Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps, Justice League Dark, New Gods, The Trench, the fucking Aquaman spinoff about that 15-minute scene. Nightwing, Supergirl, Gotham City Sirens, Harley and Joker, Cyborg, and Lobo. And now to tack on to that bottom of the list is good old Static Shock. I mean, okay, of that list, I think I think New Gods will 
very likely still end up happening. Um, as far as I know, Ava DuVernay is still attached to direct that. And I think she's another one of those people that has the sort of clout and the capability to get it made. So I, I would put good money on that one actually happening. As for the rest, I, I think especially anything in the Bat family, it's taken off the table at this point. Um, yeah, oh, Batgirl was supposed to be done by Joss Whedon. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Yeah, and I think um, after the kind of flop of Justice League, he's he's kind of lost ties. Yeah, also he uh, is maybe not seen as super favorably in the eyes of like the nerd community, the industry so much so anymore. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, so, and it's, it's you know, I think there was a, at one point when everyone would have been super excited for a Joss Whedon background movie, and now I think probably nobody is. Um, well, I mean, there's also... Oh, uh, who knows? There's there's so many that are probably never going to see the light of day. <laughs> so, I mean, I think know, Harley and Joker still kind of has legs. I will see that because I don't think they're going to want to bring back Jared Leto's Joker. That's um, true. I I would certainly hope that we see another Harley movie, either like a, a Birds of Prey two with Poison mm-hmm. Ivy involved or Gotham City Sirens with um, Poison Ivy and Catwoman. But then also, like, where you do that, you'd have to cast a different Catwoman than Zoe Kravitz because technically I think that is not connected. And this is where it immediately all starts to fall apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> but look, I I really, really hope that this static movie ends up happening. I think, you know, especially having just revisited it, that character is so fantastic and I, and I think, you know, is is absolutely ready for you know, a slight reinvention and for the spotlight once again. Um, and I, I don't know who Michael B. Jordan could play. I, I feel like they, they might want him to star as somebody in that. I just don't know who, I mean, he's too old to Rubber play static. He could, I mean, RBM, so yeah, man, RBM. He, could, he actually, you know, he would be really good as a band man. I think I'd prefer that to then say like Yvonne, um, don't get me wrong, like Michael B. Jordan be plays a, nice a great Yvonne. villain. Like, go look at Black Panther, he's great. But I, I feel like it would be nice to also see him play a hero. Yes. Um, and also we we don't know the comics very well. So there could be a character in the comics that just never appeared in the show that could fit true. him well. You know, yeah. someone who just also works the community center with Pops. He's too young yeah. to be Pops. He's too young, yeah. And I don't think he'd have the right energy um yeah for for a pops i mean he could i don't know much about the character of icon oh okay he he I, could be he could be an icon yeah i, I could see that maybe happening of him like yeah. having I mean, a cameo appearance as an icon as icon in that and then maybe spinning it off into another movie possibly yeah icon is interesting because from what i understand he's supposed to he's supposed to be black superman yeah and at his fittest i don't know if michael b jordan can get that muscle mass of like a henry cavill or a muscle suited zach levi i mean uh, i don't know <laughs> the man like i haven't seen creed i really need to go watch that at some point but he is oh he's good but, but i mean but still even in creed he's he's not he's lean in all his movies he's very lean and cut yeah but i mean you could still like at the, at the end of the day you just have to look fucking amazing you don't necessarily have to have the huge size which i think he can still put on pretty big size i mean he was like the biggest most cut guy in black panther yeah oh man oh god that when he takes his shirt off for the fight (sighs) oh i mean i it's it was already hot in this room because i've i've had all the windows closed and the fans off to record but it just got hotter um Mm -hmm. mm. that's what he does that's his power god God, he's just 
I, I, all right. I, I got to stop. Okay. I, I could I could swoon about Michael B. Jordan all day long. Well, so. let, me, let, me, let me just pitch this one to you, Chris. Just just for just for the pants. Make him be hot streak. <laughs> that. No, 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 no. See, the thing is, I don't want Michael B. Jordan in like loose fitty baggy clothing. I want him in like properly fitted tight clothing to show off those legs. Well, you only you only get one or the other, Chris. <laughs> the no, I say no, okay. no hot streak. No, but super super uh, excited for this. Um, yes. Let's see what else. Oh, we got uh, confirmation that we're getting a Lego Star Wars holiday special on Disney Plus. We did. I. So Disney has done a couple Lego specials before Mm -hmm. and they're not done by the same company that does the Lego movies. No, no, they're not. So they're not as good. Right. Okay. Well, who knows? I'm hoping they put the money into this one. I I hope so too. I feel like, I mean, so it's, it's kind of interesting what they're going for here. So it's obviously supposed to be um, in the same vein as 1978 Star Wars holiday special. Um, and this is going to see Kelly Marie Tran, Billy Dee Williams, and Anthony Daniels all, you know, uh, voice their same characters in the movies. Um, plus a whole bunch of the animation veterans. So like Matt Lanter and uh, James Earl Taylor and Tom Kane are going to be voicing Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Yoda, respectively. And then, um, of course, Dee Bradley Baker will be back as like the clone troopers. Hell but yeah. But I guess this is going to see like, uh, I think the the release plot line is that Ray ends up going on like a, a, a cross time adventure that Caesar pops into different points in star Wars history. Okay. Which I sounds, like that. Yeah. It sounds silly, but I think that works for Lego. Like, I think that's tonally in this sort of like lighthearted, playful comedy vein that the Lego games do so well. Um, and I feel like this is getting already like, you know, a decent oh, amount of gonna publicity. Pod, do you think Ray's going to pod race? Oh my God. I would love that. Actually. I think that'd be super fun. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll throw that in there, but like this is already getting a good amount of like attention more so than any of the other Lego specials we've seen so far in Disney plus, which we like getting no attention. So I'm, I'm hoping it has a little bit more money behind it. So, yeah, me too. I mean, it's, because it's got a great teaser poster, which is just a, a picture of a Lego hand with a bow wrapped around. It says to Luke from your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the last one I remember them, producing internally was the lego frozen special which oh. was bad that's just and I sounds can bad say it was bad because i worked on it <laughs> <laughs> uh did you did you have to like watch a bunch of it over and over again oh of god yeah oh i'm yeah, so sorry it, it was to be fair it was the first time i got to be on the disney lot was for that movie and it was it, that was a treasured moment that is pretty cool um wait had you not been on the disney lot before no, I mean that was when I first started my my job. Oh, okay. So that, that was my first time. I mean that was oh, back in 2017. So wait, did you get to go to the uh, the screening room on the lot? Not the main screening room because we were oh, still okay. like mid meeting while we watched the movie. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna be that douchebag and just remind you of that time that I got to watch Avengers Endgame on the Disney lot in the main screening room. Just uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was uh was Kevin Feige there and you sat just far enough away where none of us really enjoy <laughs> seeing see him that. or Taika Waititi or Chris <laughs> Hemsworth or Tessa Thompson because you don't enjoy sitting up front like I do? Uh, I'm so glad I'll never live that down. <laughs> never. Never, ever. See, the problem is, is like at this point now, 
you know, when you bring it up, I no longer feel shame that we missed out on being close to those people. I just feel joy remembering how annoyed you are that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> you were so close. You were so close to Chris Hemsworth. I was. I was. I know. You should be um, upset with yourself. I really, I really should closer. be. I really should be, but I think my my yearning for a good bit outweighs even my thirst for Chris Hemsworth. So it's fair. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. No, but hopefully the 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 Lego Holiday Special will be good. We'll be seeing it on uh, November seventeenth on Disney Plus. Yeah, and so with that, Disney Plus has a great lineup for the rest of this year. So we're getting Mando comes out next week mm, on the on right. Halloween Day. Um we they've confirmed wandavision will be 2020 we they still haven't given an exact mm. date that's right but I, yeah. we can kind of assume probably early december i think we can expect a launch yeah because that'll be mando wrapping up into wandavision kind of taking over yeah that makes sense we have soul coming out on christmas day mm-hmm. we have now uh now this coming out in november uh lego lego star wars um and I, I think that might be it, right? I think I'm missing something else. But like those are four heavy hitters all coming out within two months. That's a pretty good lineup so far. That that really is. And my God, like I, as much as we love to be cynical, I once again have to acknowledge like Disney Plus still has, I think, probably the best content library out there right now. Yeah. So. We, we, we don't, I mean, I, don't, I can't go into this in super detail just because I don't fully understand it yet. But Disney also did announce this week that they're completely rearranging their company to focus more on digital. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of, from what I understand, making like three buckets to kind of filter through digital to screen to stay on digital and to other markets. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not too surprising. I, I think that you know, uh, one is no one knows how long the theater shutdowns are continue to happen. And I think Disney has um, made some mistakes, but also had some successes so far in terms of figuring out how to do good streaming based releases. And so I can totally see why they would want to prioritize that going forward. Yeah. So. And, and with that, what I'm most curious about is how the other theaters are going to re- or the other studios are going to react to that. Mm, like yeah. I know WB and who and HBO Max aren't doing nearly as well as Disney Plus. Like I don't know if they can adapt in the same way that Disney's doing. Same with you know CBS All Access definitely doesn't have the same numbers as Disney Plus, and neither does Peacock. No, and Disney has the advantage of being like the most family friendly. Like that, you just kind of think mm-hmm. about like you know why not just put their stuff on streaming if it's mostly going to be kids watching it anyways? I think most parents would also rather just pay for, you know, a subscription and like plop their kids down in front of a TV and put them on a streaming service that they know is only going to be for the most part delivering like safe content rather than like having to schlep everyone down to a theater to go see something the parents are probably going to hate anyways. Right. So, and, and pay more money for, Oh yeah. Pay way more money for so, $5 no, I, for the family compared to, you know, 40 bucks for four people. Yeah. No, this, this makes sense. Like, and it's, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's for the better or for the worse, but I think it's an inevitable change. So kind of the sooner it happens, the sooner the Kings can get worked out. Yeah. And, and this is JPEG's first kind of main announcement for the company. So you want it to fail, obviously. I want it to fail. (laughs) No, I mean, I still want, I I want JPEG to do well. Do you? JPEG the paycheck. Yes. Do you though? I mean, I want Disney Uh, to do well. Well, of course. course And for that, I need JPEG to do well. Yes. 
All right, and then, uh, so I have one more piece of news here, and it's a, it's a small piece of news combined with a, a surprising piece of news. I'm curious if you knew about this. So we got okay. confirmation this week uh, from the great Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, that Black Adam is going to be starting production uh, in March, I believe it was. But Wonderful. along with that, he made reference to a thing I didn't know existed. Did you know that there was going to be a show on NBC called Young Rock? No. Yeah. So it's a show about the like early life and childhood and beginning career moves of the one Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So it's, it's and, everyone hates Chris, but now yeah, for basically. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And he he has um, cast like a bunch of different people as younger versions of himself and as his family. Um, and it's pretty awesome because the way he did it is he put out all these like Instagram posts uh, doing like side by side photos of the actors and the family members they're playing. It's honestly like the like from a visual perspective, like the casting choices are spot on. But also I feel like this is kind of fitting because we were just talking about this last week about like how has The Rock not had a show about his own life? And we pitched it in the form of an animated movie or an animated show. But like it's totally now happening as a live action project. And I'm kind of here for it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm so here for it. Yeah. So you didn't know about this at all. I had no idea. I love this. Yeah. Okay, good. My, my piece of surprise news was actually a genuine surprise for you. Yes. No, I'm so down. I, I, I can't even like... So I did you ever watch Everyone Hates Chris? Uh, no, I never did. I've heard good things though. It is good. It, it was one that I never watched, like, like fully sat down and enjoyed it. It was kind of like, if it's on, I'm not going to change the channel kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, everyone hates Chris was great. They, they really can just copy that format exactly where like Chris Rock did the intro voiceover, mm -hmm. uh, and then kind of was his inner voice for a couple other scenes. But most of the time, like, you know, he wasn't even part of it. Yeah. Based on this, this deadline article, it sounds like the rock will actually be appearing in some capacity in every episode, whether it's to your point, like a more of a voiceover thing or whether he actually physically appears like as a modern day version retelling something. I don't know. Maybe it's going to yeah. be like everyone hates Chris combined with how I met your mother sort of thing. <laughs> Here's like, how I became the rock. Children honestly, sit down. Like, and let me tell you the story of how I became me. I like, I could totally see the bigger framing device of him, like telling his life story to like his daughter. And honestly, that would just make the whole thing even that much more endearing. So, mm -hmm. oh, I think it should be, He's mid wrestling match and it's him telling his origin story. <laughs> he's got someone in a headlock and he's like telling them his life story. Yeah. Again, I'm not opposed to that. That does sound pretty fun actually. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we'll see that sometime next year. So I, that might actually, that's, I think that's something I'd actually sit down and watch. It sounds kind of fun. Yeah. So, uh, do we know where it's landing? NBC. Okay. Yeah. So, which, I mean, that makes sense. I think he's got, I think he maybe has a deal with, with NBC because his, he's had a few like unscripted projects over there too. Like, um, then he had like Titans the like, game, the Titans game, yeah, it was like the Titans game, the Trojans game or something like that. Yeah. So he's had some stuff over there. It kind of makes sense. Titans but. game is fun. It, it, it's fun to watch for one episode. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause it's like, it's, it's the, always the same challenge. I'm not going to get into my Titans game rant. <laughs> Thank you. It's not, it's not, we, I don't have enough backbone behind it to support my thoughts. We all appreciate you sparing us that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that, shall we get into our uh, Justice League episodes this week? Let's talk about some Injustice League, Justice Game. All right. Yeah. So we have. I, uh, I was genuinely surprised at the twist 
not the twist, but like how how part one ended. I was not yeah. expecting this. Yeah, it, it this episode did not quite go the way I expected. So this is uh, Injustice for All. And uh, after Lex Luthor is finally exposed as a criminal in a sting operation with the Justice League, he discovers that he has terminal blood cancer caused by carrying around that kryptonite in his pocket for so many years. So with the help of the Ultra Humanite, he escapes from prison and creates the ultimate means to finally defeat Superman in the Justice League, the Injustice Gang. And I'd say that this episode is the most comic booky of the ones we've had so far. And I think because of that, I loved it. Yes, I agree. Like, it's so fun to see, like, a collection of a bunch of different supervillains all teaming up together. It's great to see Lex go from his, you know, traditional black and white suit to the full-on green and purple color scheme. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and they even have, like, they have a couple great, like, quips in this one, too. My favorite being Green Lantern calling Ultra Humanite Mil- uh, Magilla Gorilla. Yes! Because you got to yes. get, get that Hand of Our Bear reference in there. <laughs> Whenever you can. I feel like it was almost like they were, they forgot to put it in Brave and the Bold. And it's like, they, they're like, they, oh shit. The line was cut there. And it's like, I will only cut it if you let me use it again for the next ape themed episode. Uh, well, technically, I'm going to push my glass up my nose here and point out that this, these episodes were produced first. And then for whatever reason, they held on to them and released them later. Yeah, whatever. So they used the joke here and thus they couldn't use it in okay, the Brave and the Bold. Okay, that's fair. Yes. So you're not wrong. This also so you're yeah. technically wrong. So that's fine. They also <laughs> have the line that everyone loves to quote between Flash and Hot Girl mm-hmm. of the I'm the fastest man alive. And he goes, Mm-hmm, that's probably why I can't get a date. Which it's funny because just... he doesn't he doesn't get it initially. Like for the fastest man alive, he's also not very quick on the uptake. Yes. Like, come on, man. Get on it. But I mean, that, that's the point. That's a joke for the parents and not for the kids. The kids should also be confused. Yeah, like, wait, what? But, you it's know, like, I thought me running fast was how I got my dates. Yeah. But, you know, and it's fun, too, because they put all of the villains in, like, comic book accurate costumes. And it's, I think, a, a pretty good lineup for the rest of the Injustice gang. So, as mentioned, we have uh, Lex Luthor in his full-on, like, green and purple kind of villain look that originated with, I think, the Super Friends cartoon. We've got yes. Ultra Humanite in his fantastic, like, Suspenders. studded red harness. Um, yeah. Clearly, he's got some kinks, power to him. We've got, like, full-on animal-looking cheetah. We've got Copperhead, Solomon Grundy, Shade, Star Sapphire. Like, how did you feel about this lineup of villains? I, so, uh, when I, I, I have vague memories of watching this as a kid, and I didn't know half of these villains. I knew Cheetah because, mm-hmm. you know, she's pretty iconic. Didn't yeah. know who Copperhead was. Didn't know Grundy back in the day. Did, definitely didn't know Shade. Shade is still pretty new to me. Okay, and he, yeah. he fucking pulls his weight in this Injustice gang. Like he, oh, he really does. He gets shit done compared to everyone else. Uh, and then Star Sapphire, I, I kind of knew off and on because of Green Lantern. Yeah. And I don't uh, know. I don't know if it's ever confirmed if this star Sapphire is Carol Ferris, I'm going to one, assume that the, the watchtower database knows the answer to that. Cause we don't, but I'm also thinking that either it's never been confirmed or I guess it doesn't kind of matter because Hal Jordan isn't in this universe at all, except for that one random cameo appearance. So, I mean, I don't know, yeah. you know more about the, the green lantern and the, the rogues gallery there more than I do. Have there been other sta- star Sapphires other than Carol Ferris? I'm there. There must've been, um 
none that I can think of right now, unfortunately, because I only know the Star Sapphires post, um, what what is it? Um, post like Lantern expansion. So when the Star Sapphires became their own ring oh, core. Oh, okay, their own core. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I, I don't know a lot about her before that. That doesn't sound like much of a Green Lantern expert to me. So I don't. Well, okay. Chris, <laughs> let me get into it. <laughs> also, I just want this is this is an unnecessary tangential fact. Uh, I re- I rewatched Man of Steel this week just because you know why not? Why? Because um, why not? I, I woke up but, one but morning and I'm like I'm, I'm kind of why? Hmm? Like but why? I, was, I was just in the mood. I'm like I just kind of want to watch Man of Steel. It's been a while. And I it it's it's still good. It's still fun. Uh, but I was curious, like, when did S mean hope? And when did that start? Because that's obviously not what they intended when, you know, in 1938. Yeah. I didn't realize how new that concept was. That wasn't started until 2004. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because that sounds like this sort of stupid comic retconning that they try to do sometimes to justify their, like, colorful costumes and emblems and shit. Like... The, the best version I've seen it done was in the Superman Earth One comic by mm-hmm. J. Michael Straczynski. Have you read that? I've not. It's really good. The, there's three volumes out there, and they're all actually quite good. Um, but in that, the whole idea of Superman wearing his, his uniform, his costume, and having the S is it comes from his dad, who's basically like, you know, I have... You know, he has like a story about a, a college friend of his who went to marketing. Like the most thing he learned, like important thing he learned was to, you know, have a name and a symbol. And he basically tells Clark, like, you need this costume. You need this symbol. You need a name to prove to people that you are here to help. They need to be able to see your face. Like they kind of in two lines, they basically justify like all those elements of the costume. And it makes way more sense to be like, on my planet, it means hope. It's a fucking <laughs> ass. All right. <laughs> cool with this nonsense. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> no, sorry. I don't. I'm sorry. My Star Sapphire knowledge is so limited. Ugh. Just wait till next week. Very <laughs> I'll come back with full force. Very embarrassing for you. Um, is there any other heroes you would have rather seen as part of the team? Or it's not heroes. Excuse me. Villains you would have rather seen as part of the team or, or seen someone oh, swapped out? I mean, I, I think um, the team we get in Justice League War no, not War, sorry, Doom, Justice League Doom, the animated film, I think oh. has, because I, I love Mirror Master, especially in that movie. Oh, and so yeah. I, I really enjoy Shade. I just don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. But having Shade, because Shade is a Flash villain, having Mirror Master in there to replace him. Um, But no, everyone else feels, I mean, Cheetah is is the iconic Wonder Woman villain. You're not oh, going to have yeah. Lex pay off a god. You, know, no. you can't have him pay off Ares to do this. And, and I think uh, Cheetah works a little bit better here than Giganta. So Yes, yeah, very true. No, uh, yeah, I mean, Copperhead's another one I don't know a lot about. It would be cool to get like a core rogues gallery member, but it's also nice to, to see them pulling from the, you know, scraping the sides of the barrel. <laughs> not the bottom of the barrel, mind you, just the sides, the, the, the no, forgotten no, no. stuff. No, he's, like, he's, not a, he's not a bottom barrel. You know, he's I mean, not a priest that, that gets his leg cut off in a training accident. <laughs> and by training, I mean train. <laughs> he's he's no Cromwell or Stromwell or whatever his name Stromwell. was. Stromwell. Stromwell. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, like, I didn't really know much about Copperhead either. And I mean, I guess to be fair, he's kind of the weakest hitter of them all because he's the first one that's taken out 
pretty quickly. But he takes out Batman, which That's is something true. that almost no one can say. No one else can do. But no, like I, I thought this was a, a pretty good collection of villains. And you're right. I liked they kind of they you know they picked some iconic villains from. Um, you know, the, the various rose galleries, but they did kind of go for some unexpected choices, which was nice. And I think that's one of the best things that Justice League will do, especially when you get to Unlimited, is it expands that world out and really does pull totally unexpected characters. And, you know, it's, it's, this was my first discovery of so many of these characters yeah, as well. I think, I think like you, I probably knew of Cheetah prior to this, just because she is the most iconic Wonder Woman villain. But everyone else, like, I didn't really know about until they started appearing in the show. And all of a sudden, you start recognizing them in comics and stuff. And it just, you know, it, it makes them become fan favorites pretty quickly, which I thought they did a really good job with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, beyond their their choice of villains and, you know, giving everyone comic-accurate costumes, like, there's a few other things that I thought this episode did really well to make it feel um, very reminiscent of the comics. And I think one of the big ones is when they discover that Lex is terminally ill with this kryptonite blood poisoning. Superman seems genuinely concerned. Like he even says like, Lex, forget about, you know, all of your schemes, forget about all this other stuff about you getting arrested. Like you're dying. Like we need to sort this out. And you, you believe that he means that when he says it, you genuinely believe that Superman cares, even though this is outside of probably dark side of this universe, his greatest villain. Yeah. I mean, it's touching. Like, you know, he is the boy scout as they call him. Yeah. Later in this episode. So I, I like that they, they gave that moment to Superman because you genuinely believe that he would care. Um, and then they, they squirrel Lex away in a prison. And I just have to ask, what prison is this that he's in? It's so fucking confusing to me because like it is simultaneously like the most high tech sophisticated prison prison while also being incredibly dirty and grungy and grimy. And also like, so easy to break out of. Crazy Ultra easy Superman to break out could have broken of. out any time. He, exactly. he was doing it with the minimal effort. How are these like, not gorilla-proof jails? I know. Because <laughs> it's clearly supposed to be some sort of, like, meta-prison. Maybe it's, I think it's maybe supposed to be Riker's Island. I think that's the prison in mm-hmm. Superman, if I recall, out in the bay outside of Metropolis. But it's, like, so it's super high-tech. It's, got like, retinal scanners. But it also, like, the guards just carry, like, batons. They don't have anything more <laughs> substantial than that. And it's super dingy and dirty and grimy, but also the the villains, mind you, like the, some of the the most nefarious villains in the entire world are brought their dinners on like a tablecloth covered serving cart. And they're getting like Salisbury steak inside these like really ornate serving dishes. Like who who is this for? Oh, I was just going to say just, necessary? Their, just their prison sale at prison cell in general was like a nice like one bedroom, you know, like a nice uh like studio apartment. Yeah. Like I, I could have bought it if maybe Lex specifically had been sent to like rich people prison, which is basically just usually house arrest. But yeah. like, no, this is like a supermax prison for supervillains. And this looks like, you know, you see photos and stories about, you know, like uh prisons in like Norway and stuff like that, where they're all about rehabilitation and they're like much more comfortable oh, dude, they're spaces. So cool. Yeah, they look like little mini IKEA rooms, basically, and you feel like that's what they were going for here. Like this, there is, as far as I know, no U.S. prisons that look anything like this, which is absolutely no. indictment of our prison system. So, did you ever watch um, Michael? What's his face? The guy who does all the great documentaries. Who? The Michael Moore. Oh, okay. No, I've never seen a Michael Moore film. Okay, he he did one around 2016 where it's basically like, hey, here's everything 
that America is kind of lacking in. Let's see how other countries are handling it. And they have oh. a whole segment on prison and rehabilitation. And so they like take you through exactly what a Danish prison looks like. And they have like, like they get bikes and there's no like real container for the prisoner or the, the rehab patient where they, they can just like bike to town if they want to go get groceries, just like make sure they're back by nightfall. Yeah. I was like, this is nuts. And uh, I also have a great segment on a French elementary, uh, like French public school food. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, we like, we're treating our kids so horribly. Uh, yeah. It, our, our American prison system is fucking terrible because it's basically all just for profit. And uh, if you want to learn more about that, I highly recommend watching Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th on Netflix. So yes, for actually, you know what, for many reasons, you should just go watch that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was just worth noting that this this particular this prison was particularly weird um, in this. But obviously, Lex and Ultra Humanite get away and, and form the league, and they're they're injusticing. And so their their hideout is a Metropolis Picture Store, which I could not find confirmation of this anywhere in trivia. But that must be a reference to the old Warner Brothers Studio stores, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Or like you- the. Um- the the room you go to like the last room they drop you off at when you're on the tour exactly yeah the gift shop at the end do you remember those warner brothers stores that were in the malls i mean this is what 20 Not, years ago i don't ago think now. i don't think they made it to dallas because we, okay. we just had a couple disney stores like it they, they weren't super big oh okay yeah because we we had one at the the mall in san jose um which eventually it got closed and became the apple store unsurprisingly um, which also, if you, for anyone who remembers the really early Apple stores, they are nothing like they are now. I, I saw some photos not too long ago. I was like, holy fuck, that's right. It was a totally different space. But those Warner Studio stores were amazing. Because um, one, I love them because you could always guarantee they had Batman toys. Like, I distinctly <laughs> remember buying the Batmobile toy from Batman and Robin at the Warner Brothers Studio store. And I was like, fucking beside myself. Because I love that Batmobile, shamelessly. I don't care. I know it's dumb. Don't give a fuck. Um, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking at pictures of like old entrances and they look gorgeous. Oh, they, I mean, they were like a kid's dream. Like, yeah. you know, they had, they had Batman toys always, but they just had, you know, toys from any other stuff. Like, I remember that when they had uh, Wild Wild West action figures, Hell which yeah. again, another movie that I will shamelessly say I still enjoy to this day. Um, but yeah, they also had like a, the, uh, Marvin the Martian had like, um, like this like tube at the end of the back side of the store you could like crawl through like push buttons and it would speak stuff at you and they had like the the big like nine grid tv thing at the very back that would have looney tunes cartoons on loop and it was just like the coolest fucking store and i miss them dearly and so i was super excited to see what was clearly a reference to them thrown in here because awesome. it's, it's basically like this old warehouse space that's filled with a bunch of old um like cartoon props including a a, a statue of the wonder twins which i thought was a very fun little nod Yes. Throw in there. Oh, yeah. God, I mean, and with that with the, um, the purple and green, it's like it, it's just enough of good reference, or it doesn't yeah. feel over the top. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just a blink you miss it like fun little nod that still feels like canonically like it makes sense in this world. Um, but you know, so they they get this injustice to gang together, and you know, you kind of expect that the the way the things are going to go. You expect that the, they're going to go up against the league. They're going to best the league. And, you know, this first part is going to end with the Justice League having gotten their asses handed to them. And I was actually surprised that it didn't go that way. Like, the league holds their own against yeah. the Injustice gag. And they end up having to 
flee, against basically. Slade's best or uh, Shade's best effort because he's fucking. He took out three. No, he took out two. Took out Flash. Yeah. Took out Hot Girl. He he's Hot Girl keeps falling for Shade's. Just I'm gonna blast you with this like shade shit. And you're yeah, gonna fall this, down this, thing. This hole in the wall net. <laughs> yeah. He's based, his power is more or less just like the uh, um, the portable black hole from Who Framed yes, Roger exactly. Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the Injustice Gang basically gets their asses handed to them and then they have to escape and they end up leaving Copperhead behind. But then also a, uh, a weakened Batman who got taken out by Copperhead's poison, which I guess is in his helmet, not in his mouth, right? Because he doesn't bite Batman. He like presses the hood of his helmet, which has the fangs into his shoulder. I guess I mean you know he's right. he's being clinical about it. He's being COVID safe about it. This this is true. I mean he's not maintaining six feet distant and he doesn't have a mask on. But yes, you're right. He he's not actually making mouth contact on Batman's cowl. So yes, because that would just be rude. Like you can be evil and not be rude. Like you know we have we have barriers. We have lines. Let's have some sense of decorum, please. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the the uh, you know the injustice gang gets away and then um you know batman despite being told he has to like sit and recuperate um goes to hunt down the justice league and i know you you were surprised by how it ended so uh i mean i'll let you take it from here cameron how does this episode end what did you like about it uh against joker or sorry wow already spoiled it Mm -hmm. (laughs) against lex's best efforts joker comes in and kind of takes over uh the whole situation and they end up kidnapping batman with the help of joker and a beautiful bag of rocks yes it's honestly like i forgot the joker was in this episode and as soon as he appears i'm like oh my god yes this whole thing just got cranked up to 11 yeah so i i watched this when my cousin was in town when i was watching this and he's Mm -hmm. not watched nearly any of the dcau and so Joker pops in and I, I get excited and he looks at me and he goes, is that, is that Mark Hamill? <gasps> <laughs> I'm like, yes, he knew. it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I've only been telling you for the past seven years. <laughs> I mean, look, th- this will always be the greatest version of the Joker. It's anytime he appears is fantastic. Also for me, this is his best design. I don't know if you feel the same way. I agree. Yeah. Cause it's got the, the kind of the, the clean lines in terms of like the, the body and the suit from the new Batman adventures, but they have um, kind of just done a modernized take on the original Joker look. Like he has full eyes again, which I think is mm-hmm. really necessary to get his expressions across effectively. Yeah. I say, I say it's like an in-between of BTOS and new Batman. Yeah. And, and I think that this is the, the second time we've seen the Joker in this style, because I'm pretty sure this is the same style they used in um, Return of the Joker in the Batman it is, yes. movie. Yeah, and he, he looks fantastic. I, I even felt like when he's on screen, his movements felt more fluid than the other characters around him. I don't know if you, you kind of clock this too, but it, it felt like his movements were far less rigid. He kind of like flowed in his movements a lot more a little bit. And of course, you know, he's a little bit frenetic. So he'll be sitting in the chair, like spinning around in circles and like give him motion blur and stuff like that. But I feel like they, they gave him just a slightly more cartoony design and flow than everyone else. Um, which I felt made him just pop that much more. I don't know if you, you picked up on that as well. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, it, this version of Batman and Joker 
have like that perfect like fluid dynamic aspect to their movements Mm -hmm. which is just so fun and it, it just kind of in a very subtle visual way highlights why they are great foils for each other like the mm-hmm. fact that those both those characters given it's just like that slightly more attention to detail um i think one just shows that they're the fan favorites but two like they are deserving of each other in a way well i think also like these are the characters that you know, the animation team probably has the most experience with at this point yeah that's true yeah and so they they don't want to they they want to experiment a little bit more because yeah. this is you know on to year what batman btos ran for what four years new batman ran for a year and a half so this is there's almost seventh year drawing batman yeah it's obviously not the same crew no but, but i mean but this you know these two characters have been appearing in have appeared in all of the shows essentially right from the beginning so you know so this episode came out in 2002 i mean oh yeah so this this has so been 10 years yeah, basically they've been, you know, animating these characters or at least, you know, playing with these characters in this iteration for, for 10 years now. And you, you can see it, you know, yeah. uh, especially when the Joker shows up. Like he just, because I, I went to go double check and this isn't written by Paul Dini who did a lot of the Joker writing. It's written by Stan Berkowitz. But you feel like this team now knows that character so well that in anyone's hands, they're going to do a great job with him. And, and they do, you know, he's in it. Once he appears, especially in part two, he's in it a lot more than the other villains, but he's only really mm-hmm. in it for, for half of the two-parter, and he's, you know, I'd say the, the standout character. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, get, getting into part two, like, it, I love how good everyone is, especially, like, Batman playing into his strengths of not only being, like, the smartest one, the manipulative one, but also the playboy flirt we get to finally oh see come God. out. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it, it's it's he, fantastic because, you know, now in part two, Batman's uh, a captive. And so Lex plans to use Batman's remote access to plant a bomb on the watchtower and kill the Justice League. Yes, the, but the Lex bat ju- garage door opener. Exactly. Uh, but Lex just frankly doesn't account for how dangerous Batman is to be left alive. And like the Joker tries to tell him, it's like, you can't leave him alive. He's too dangerous. And Lex is just so arrogant. He's like, no, you're wrong. And my God, does he end up paying for it? Yes. Him him convincing uh, Solomon Grundy and Ultra Humanite to fight is so adorable. Yes. It's, it's, it's just one line. He says one sentence to Solomon Grundy. That's yeah. all he needs. Yeah, all he has to do is ask if uh, Ultra Humanite is getting paid more than Grundy and it causes the two of them to fight each other. But like, he basically gets under everyone's skin, right? Like he pisses off Lex enough just by being there that Lex leaves the room and Lex is constantly having to stop the Joker from going near him. But he, he pits Solomon Grundy and Ultra Peanut against each other. He seduces Cheetah. Like, Immediately. I mean, like, <laughs> I get it. I get it, Cheetah. You're, oh, you're not at fault here. <laughs> no. But you're right. He, like, he, this is why Batman is, like, so amazing. And, and I think sometimes this almost becomes, like, self-parody. The idea of, like, oh, Batman can just get out of any situation. But I think this episode does such a good job of showing how even when he's literally tied up, that all he needs is like his wits and the ability to speak and he can manipulate any situation because you're right. His, yeah. When he's, when he's pitting, you know, Grundy and, uh, ultra Humanite against each other, it's totally different than when he is talking to Cheetah, where he is like putting on the charm and he's siding with her and building her up. Mm-hmm. It's, Oh my God. It's, it's, and then so we get that paralleled, good. uh, with Superman, Showing that mm-hmm. he's just a guy that punches things at this point because he's trying to interrogate Copperhead 
and even says the wonderful one of like, I don't know how Batman does it. No, like this is not, this is not for me. <laughs> and it, it's, it's so great that like, even the characters in the show themselves acknowledge like, yeah, like he's just the best. Like Martian Manhunter even points so out. so much better at this. Yeah. Martian Manhunter even says like, you know, you're the only one without special powers. You don't need to prove yourself. And it's just like, oh, oh honey, it's fine. Sit it's down. Like, Motherfucker. I run this shit. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. It, you know, it, they, like they, he's, he's bankrolling this multi-billion dollar spaceship. He doesn't need his superpower is money. Yep. We all know this, but also being so fucking charming. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I, so, so who do you think? I think Superman and Manhunter were definitely the wrong. No, Manhunter wasn't in the room. Superman, who was also, was GL in the room. Flash. Flash. I think Flash would have done a better job interrogating. Yeah. It you should never leave interrogation up to Superman because no one sees him as a threat because everyone yeah, knows he's just, the big boy scout. Like yeah, I think, tell, tell me tell me where they are. No. Please. No. Please, no. pretty please. Please. No. Yeah. I'll give you a hot dog. Uh it's like I'm sorry. I'll I'll just give you the hot dog now. Like that was that was rude of me to try and <laughs> persuade you to, to 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 bargain with you. Here, just take the hot dog. But now that you've had the hot dog, are we friends? Will you just tell me what I need to know? Yeah, will you just pretty, tell me now, please? though? Yeah. Pretty please? It's like, I'll give you the hot dog, but the information, I need the information for you to get ketchup and mustard. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm sorry. that That's rude. Here's here's some ketchup and mustard. <laughs> here, here you go. Relish? No, I can't. I can't keep that from you. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess GL would have been like an okay one, but also this version of G Green Lantern isn't clever enough to come up with constructs. So what would he done other than just like shine green light in someone's face? Well, I mean, Honestly, I think it should have been Hawk Girl should have been at the door and yeah. like they're holding her back because I mean, she she is she she's the one that would just beat them up. Yeah. It, honestly, what it should have been, it should have been Hawk Girl and Wonder Woman. So like Hawk Girl comes in super hot, beats the crap out of him. And you think Wonder Woman's going to be the good cop. Wonder Woman's like, I'm just here to hang. She's got this. Yeah. Also, you still have the lasso of truth. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Where the forget. fuck was Wonder Woman doing this? <laughs> Um, uh, no, she, she was out there personally hunting the streets for Batman. They just didn't Probably. show us that, but that yeah. would make sense. They, they, you know, they have, uh, they have some chemistry there. How do you think she'd feel if she knew that Cheetah was moving in on her man? Oh, she would beat the shit out of Cheetah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think even if Cheetah knew, she'd be like, you know what? That's my bad. That is totally <laughs> like, all... I'm going to step back. <laughs> yeah. But also, can you blame me? They'll both be like. Nah, not no. really. No, I can't blame you. Have you heard him sing? Yeah. Oh, oh God, that would do it. That alone would do it. But yeah, I mean, he, so he, you know, he turns Cheetah, or he like, he seduces Cheetah. And so we assume that when the Justice League then gets the, um, a warning call that the, uh, a bomb is implanted on the, the watchtower, we assume it's her. But we learn later on that no, it was also the ultra humanite. Batman also turned him by just paying him more money. Yes, which is <laughs> like we that is all three faces of Batman Bruce Wayne. Yep. It's actually the yeah, you're right. The flirt and the bankroll. It was mostly Bruce Wayne who saved the day in this episode. He yeah. was definitely using those Bruce assets more so than the Bat assets in this. <laughs> and it it works. No, it, and then we it, get the, the wonderful at two ultra humanite. Yeah, <laughs> at yes. two humanite. Yes, from doesn't from roll Lex. off the tongue quite as well. It doesn't. No, but hey, you know, Lex makes it work. But you know, I, I also love too that 
it is kind of interesting because Ultra Humanite is clearly like turned against Lex, but also goes the effort of building a like containment vest for Lex to hold his illness at bay slash now give him kryptonite powers. It is a little bit weird he would choose to do both those things, but I'll forgive him because I love the green exosuit that Lex yes. uses in this. Like, I don't know. I think it came from the comics originally, and it is, by all accounts, very, very silly, but they make it work in this. And maybe it helps, too, that, you know, they, they kind of progress Lex through his various phases over the course of his episodes. So it, he starts out as, like, the classic suited businessman, and then he's wearing, like, his villain suit. They already kind of introduced the color scheme. So it's not, like, that much further to then go putting him in, you know, the, the crazy green exosuit with, like, the half eggshells on the side of his face. So maybe that progression helps a little bit naturally. It might have been a bit weird if he went straight from the suited version to the, the exosuit version. But, yeah, I think they and, do. And it, it keeps building through the series as well. Yeah, that's like, true. This, it, it looks very different once Brainiac comes in and kind of mixes with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's also nice to see them start to explore this side of Lex because, you know, he was always great as the, um, the, the, the business mogul going up against Superman. It was a totally different kind of villain. But, you know, kind of in the way that Betos would start sh- mixing up the villains a little bit and exploring different sides of them. I'm glad that when they got the Justice League, they're like, hey, you know what? We've done the, the, the Lex Corps version. Let's go for, like, the full-on criminal version. Because mm-hmm. usually we kind of get one or the other, right? Like, the movies traditionally, the, the Gene Hackman one in particular, is just the, the criminal, like the criminal mastermind. Um, and this is kind of the only version that I feel like kind of hits a lot of those beats with him being like a genius, with him being a, a savvy businessman, a corrupt businessman, with him being like a full on, like egomaniacal super criminal. It hits well, everything. I was going to say, I was going to say more recently, there's the third branch of Lex that we've seen, we've been seeing, which is President Lex. That's true. And we will, of course, eventually get to dabble in that space a little bit um, in this series. And, and I, I think the the problem now is that like, like reality has become stranger than fiction in yep. a lot of ways. And yeah. So that was one of the, I was telling, I was messaging my supervisor. Uh, like that is one of the funniest openings of man of steel is scientists trying to talk to political leader, political leader overthrown by radicals. Radicals don't listen to scientists. And I'm like, this is not escapism anymore. This is not fiction anymore. For like 70 years of Superman's existence, that seemed so ridiculous. And now we're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. 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 Jor-El, can... we, we're, we're sorry. We're Jor- Fauci Jor-El. <laughs> Fauci, Fauci Jor-El. L. We're, we're so sorry, man. We, we, yes. we know you were just trying to do your best. You, you, you made the tragic mistake of trying to use evidence. If, if Fauci has a kid... And he has like a personal rocket ship for that kid already set. Like I'm following where that kid's going. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it's it's so hard sometimes. It's so it's just so sad. Because I, I texted you on continuing this tangent. I texted you. I've been rewatching the Harry Potters as well, and I made it up to Order of the Phoenix. And the second Umbridge interrupt, and I was doing it to just like try and distract myself from the the um supreme court shit that's going on mm-hmm. and like the second uh umbridge interrupted dumbledore i'm like no nah, i can't i can't nope, do this can't, it's can't. <laughs> it's too it's it's too much god damn it, it really uh, it really is 
But oh. it's okay because we're watching cartoons from but when time fine. was still not great, but better than now. Exactly. We can we can go back to twenty years ago when things were somehow not quite as shitty. Yes. Um, but I mean, along those lines, I do love that at the end, um, we learned that Ultra Humanite took basically all of the money that he got from Batman and just gave it to PBS to keep running opera. Yes. <laughs> I, I I didn't catch that at first. I thought it was like he just got himself a bigger, louder TV. And then and then the line, I'm like, that's fucking like, that's so good. <laughs> it's it's so passive aggressive, which is what part of what makes it so fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I I love that. I think that might be one of my all time favorite buttons so far on any episode of the DCAU <laughs> is the ultra humanite funding PBS just so they keep playing opera so he can continue to harass his his neighbor Lex Luthor in prison. It's so yeah. I I don't know much about Ultra Humanite. I don't really either, actually. Yeah, I know I know he was the original villain of Superman. He was pre Lex. Oh, okay. I didn't know he, that. He started as a human, from from what I understand. Please, someone correct everything mm-hmm. that I'm about to say wrong. Of course. Started off as a human. I think got sick and put his brain inside a gorilla and became uh, an albino gorilla and became ultra humanite. That's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Yes. And then kind of went to the side when Lex Luthor came in. Oh. He he is super fun, and you know I think this this episode lets a lot of character shine. Batman and Joker, in particular, obviously it's very Lex heavy, but you know I, I think Ultra Humanite gets to steal a lot of scenes too. Yes, like, um, and also you know uh, of course you know worth acknowledging some of the great uh, guest cast. So we have Clancy Brown returning as Lex Luthor, who's just of course amazing. He's just, just brings that Mr. Krabs energy wherever he goes. So good. I, I love Clancy Brown so much, but it, his version of Lex is, is so good. And of course, the aforementioned and uh, always amazing Mark Hamill as the, the Joker. Um, and then someone I'm not super familiar with, but uh, the Ultra Humanite is voiced by this guy, Ian Buchanan, um, who also was the voice of uh, Dr. Cuvier from Batman Beyond, the, uh, the Splicer dude. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Connor and Old Wound. So I guess, oh, I think that was the uh, the henchman that Batman beat the shit out of and then gave a job at Wayne Tech. So Oh, good. <laughs> good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which is great. And then um, we also have uh, Olivia Diabo voicing uh, Star Sapphire. And she, of course, was Melanie Walker, a.k.a. 10. And oh. she will be voicing Morgan Le Fay. So <gasps> I love the Le Fays. Yes, and they're they're coming up pretty soon here. Actually, um, some more great characters. But yeah, I mean, that, I mean that, that, is, that is that is my favorite Brave and the Bold episode is Batman and GL or uh, Green Arrow going back in time. Oh yes, trying to trying to be trying to be the the true King Arthur mm-hmm. and pull Excalibur out. Their uh, their battle of constant one-upmanship. Yes, yeah, that that is a super fun recurring gag in the Brave and the Bold. God, that is a great show. I'm so it's glad so I finally good. watched it. I'm glad you watched it too. Yeah, I, I had. A I'm lot glad of that fun. you're starting to listen to me a little bit more in my recommendations because they're I mean, not all bad. No, they're not. I mean, a lot of it is, but also, look, who am I to judge? I have so far this episode talked about my love of Batman and Robin and Wild Wild West. So, yeah, clearly, nine year old Chris was not to be trusted with this sort of shit. Yeah, and I've only said. Uh, Man of Steel is okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and Cameron's gonna die on that very, very small dirt mound he's built for himself. <laughs> so, 
It's not even a hill that you're gonna die on. Yeah. Oh, I, I have a hill I'm about I'm about to die on during uh plugs in a minute. Oh god. Oh fuck. Well No no no, because I I want I'm curious about your opinion on this. Cause I don't know if you if you've watched this yet. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, along the lines of that impending threat here, uh anything else to say about these episodes or should we move on to bat plugs? Uh there's a great moment we kind of we we skipped over a little bit between Hawkgirl and Batman where he jumps into the building to save the girl and then Hawk Girl has to fly in and save the two of them. Mm-hmm. And they kind of stand there awkwardly for a second and she goes, I'm used to being thanked when when I save someone. He says, I'm not used to being saved. <laughs> and I'm like and he just like jumps away. I'm like, Batman, you fucking dick. <laughs> he can't even say thank you. <laughs> no. But what's that get- like? How did she beat Flash there? Who knows? I mean, yeah, whatever. Th- that is the thing. It's like this episode doesn't do a lot of absurd depowering except for um, I feel like Superman at one point comes off. Oh, like, oh, Martian Manhunter gets taken out like pretty quickly. As yeah, he always he, does. he's twice. I mean, honestly, Grundy, I think it's taken out the most of anyone in this episode in these episodes. Yeah. Well, I guess like Grundy's strength is one, his actual literal physical strength. But two, like, I mean, he gets knocked he down. But die. He, he just gets back up again. Yeah, he can't yeah. die except for Nth Metal, exactly. which I tried to explain to my cousin when he's sitting on the couch. I'm like, Nth Metal, it's what it's what the mace is made out of. And she's like, but what is it? I'm like, it's, it's I, I don't know. It's Nth Metal. It's Nth Metal, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what you're not understanding here. <laughs> also, thank you very much for just scooting right past my Chumbawamba reference. Um, I, I got it. I apologize for not, not letting no, no, it. No, 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 no. Not soaking it in. <laughs> you made the right call there. <laughs> But you're right. That that is a, a funny moment, and also it's worth acknowledging that in that scene when like Batman has to jump into the the, the burning building to save the little girl, that this version of Batman stops to like give her a brief moment of comfort and like don't yes. worry, I've got you, I'll save you. Whereas like other versions, like even in um the comic Hush, which is one of my all time favorite Batman comics, like there's a scene early on where he has to rescue a kid, and you know the the cool thing about Hush is that it's all done with Batman's inner monologue. We're getting his like you know his 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 records basically his thoughts. But he makes a comment about how like he doesn't take a moment to like reassure the kid. Superman would, but he won't. And it's like right. I think those are both super valid. But I I do believe that this version of Batman, especially at this point that we know him in the Justice League, would take that moment to like you know make sure that she feels safe as she's getting rescued. Yeah, because he has to prove to Superman that he's better. Yeah, in every way possible. And guess what? Yeah. He does it all the time. Every time, almost every, every time. time. Every time. Uh, all right, well then, shall we move on to some plugs here? Let's do some plugs. All right, what, what do you have to plug? What were you just threatening me with? So, there's a show that okay. everyone seems to love. Okay. And I've given it a fair chance. I'm almost done with the first season, and I, and I, and Chris, I don't like it. Which show? Shit's Creek. Okay. I am kind of with you on this. I started okay. watching Shit's Creek. I made it about maybe halfway, two thirds of the first season, and I wasn't loving enough to keep going back. Now, to be fair, I have heard it keeps getting better and that it gets great. I think this mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a Parks and Rexer situation where the first like season, season and a half, two seasons are kind of forgettable, but it's worth it to get to the rest of it. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's just, there's something about shows without redeemable characters that just irk me so much. Well, it reminds me of reality too much. 
It does. <laughs> and like these these kinds of families specifically, like I went to school with these kinds of families. Yeah. The like the super pretentious we are what our parents' money is kind of kids, characters. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I, I and like everyone loves everyone. I've never heard a negative thing about this show. And even like even my mom is telling me to watch it. And it's like I I don't I need a redeeming character. I, I I do know what you mean. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of hard because I think the closest in that show, at least the stuff that I've seen so far to recur or to uh, a redeemable character is David, the son. He's like, yeah, I think the least terrible of all of them. Well, because he's, you know, he like makes a friend in the town and that's, that's yeah. basically his redeeming factor, but she is also not a good person. Yeah. And it's also the uh, the mayor. It's that kind of character. Oh, yeah. The, the same it character like, that Chris Elliott always plays. Fucking drives me up the wall. I can't. I, I, there's, I, I remember trying to start the show a couple months ago and seeing that character pop up. And like, I can't do this. I cannot <laughs> deal with, with this kind of person. I, I don't entirely blame you. I guess because I've been meaning to go back and, and keep going on it at some point, uh, I guess my suggestion would be like, try and go a little bit more if you can. Cause I've heard it does get really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much just having it on in the background when I'm playing games. Yeah. And I mean, look, you have a high tolerance for what you perceive to be bad content. So yeah. And it, it is honestly just unredeemable characters. Cause yeah. like it was the same thing. I, the first scenes of the office took me years to get past parks and rec took me a while to get into I still can't do Arrested Development. Oh, I like Arrested Development a lot. I find I love that show. Or at least the the original seasons I really love. Yeah, it, it just never clicked with me. And then, uh, I mean, Identity Thief is where it all stems from. Oh, yeah. In the movie yeah. with Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, that's, like, not, that's not a great one. I, I, I'm struggling in a similar space right now with the most recent season of Archer. Okay, yeah, you, you've you've had some issues with Archer for the past couple seasons now. Honestly, I don't think it's been good since, like, season four or five. Like, whatever the last season was where they were still a spy agency, it's kind yeah. of been progressively downhill ever since then, and especially the dream sequence seasons. Some are better than others, but overall they're not great. And, like, this season it's a total return to form. Like, they're back at the spy agency. Um, but, like, Archer is even more insufferable now than he used to be. And it, it's just kind of hard to get through. So I, I know where you're coming from on the, the Shit's Creek thing. Yeah. Uh, but in a more positive uh, plug, I also rewatched, I started going back through my Halloween episode catalog mm -hmm. and watched Kim Possible's Halloween special, which is just so delightful. I forget, who does she go up against in that one? Uh, so Draken, Shigo, and... Duff Killigan are Duff all Killigan? fighting. Yes, Duff is in it. Are all fighting for this special nanotech that accidentally lands on on a, on uh, Kim's wrist, and uh, it's meant it's meant as like a super soldier uniform, where the more stressed they are, the outfit will like take over for them, and it's this oh. awesome robot suit. Okay, uh, this sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, and Kim realize that she's never stressed out when fighting but what stresses her out is when she lies to her friends and family Aww, so she's trying yeah. to sneak off to a halloween party but anytime she lies to her mom about going to the party the suit expands and when she lies to ron about going to the party the suit expands and it's okay. very cute and it's very charming 
I do remember this. Yeah, that this does ring a bell. So, oh, that's such a great show. It's so good. Also, I almost forgot about Duff Killigan. I mean, he's he's right up there with Flintheart Blomgold in terms of like just great Scottish villains. Yeah, because uh, he's, he's just a golfing villain. He'd, he's, he'd be uh, Shane's favorite villain. He would be Shane. That's very true. He'd be Shane's favorite villain. Uh, what do you have a favorite like kid Halloween episode? Uh, honestly, I don't remember them enough to have one. Like okay. I, I, I saw them all when I was a kid, but I haven't revisited them. And I like uh, my memory is usually like in broad strokes. Like I don't remember details very well, um, despite what it says in my resume. And, and despite your encyclopedic knowledge of anything name <laughs> and film related, it's it's a weird contrast. Yeah, it's like it. it I, I really shouldn't phrase it like if I give a shit, I remember things, and if I don't, I don't, because then that basically means that I forget so many things about like my friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> like to the, I, I'm putting myself in really hot water by saying this. But like to this day, I honestly have a time re- remembering like what pretty much any friends of mine like what their jobs are if they're not in entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what that's that's fair that's just, a hard thing to remember i just don't remember i'm just like you do it, it, it's like all the rest of the friends trying to remember what chandler does like i just cannot for the life of me remember. yes so well, no i, I just, don't remember halloween episodes enough to have like a favorite so so i need oh, i do need an account damn it because i was gonna say i think probably one of the best halloween episodes that i haven't watched in a while is the grim adventures of billy and mandy halloween specials because oh, they okay. went What's that all out it uh i'm i'm trying to find it it looks like it's just direct tv if you have an oh, account okay. for that oh okay oh, yeah face. but I, I honestly i might just buy it on amazon because those are great halloween specials i never There's watched a couple the show, of them. but i heard good things so oh that that show just oozed creativity it, yeah. it's so much fun i recommend if you haven't watched it i'll, I'll make a couple episodes that i recommend okay yeah because yeah, they're all it. they're all pretty fun Give us a give us a list next week of what are the the go to Billy and Mandy episodes. Yes, all of them. They're all great. <laughs> Just all seasons. Yes. Uh, what about you though? What have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I've been doing a, a little bit of a Halloween catch up myself. Uh, so Ooh. yeah, so our our friend Jeb has been kind enough to be hosting like Zoom movie nights, which has been a lot of fun recently. And so uh, two movies he did recently that I had never seen either before, and I both I liked them both quite a bit. Uh, one was Monster House from 2006, the animated oh, movie. Oh, Monster House is great. Dan Harmon. It is really good. Like, I just, I never saw it when it came out. I think, so I would have been like 17 when it came out. So it was just like, I was a little bit too old to kind of care because it looked a little bit childish. Um, but I, like, I think it's a pretty great concept. I mean, the, the general idea is that like these, this kid lives across the street from this literal monster house. Um, and it actually does a really good job, like playing in that world and, you know, the, like the ultimate justification for why the house, the way it is, I thought mostly worked and the, the animation actually holds up pretty well. Like it's 2006, so it's kind of early day CGI, but it's also done in a style that's meant to be almost pseudo claymation. And as a result, you're kind of forgiving of the fact that the animation's not super polished, um, but no, it's, it's, it's really, it's like fun and it's sweet and it's got a, um, you know, really great voice performance all the way through. It's just, it's, you know, it's very much of the time. If you look at like the voice cast, it's like, who else is in there? Like yeah. Nick Cannon, um, like Kevin James, <laughs> I mean, Catherine O'Hara, um, yes. of Creek plays the mom. So like, and uh, like a few younger actors too, but, um, uh, Steve Buscemi is in there as well. 
Ka- uh, Kathleen Turner. So it's like it's got a really good cast, and I I was very pleasantly impressed by it. It was uh, you know very charming, a lot of fun. I, you know if you're looking for a good light, distracting 90 minute Halloween movie, well worth a watch. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember because I don't think that movie did great in the box office. I don't think it did either. I don't remember it being. I, I'm looking particularly... at it. It, it did. It, it made its money back. It said it grossed yeah. 140 million on a okay. budget of 75. Okay, yeah. So it, it basically broke even, more or less. Yeah, uh, and I I think with that movie because I I'm vaguely remembering the trailers, it felt almost too mature for like a young audience, but didn't feel mature enough for like an older teen audience. So it's kind of left in this weird void space when it was being uh pitched Ooh, yeah actually you know what that i think that does sum it up pretty well like i don't know if i were a little kid it might feel a little bit not adult but it might feel like it's aimed more at like teenagers but Mm -hmm. if i were a teenager i might find that some of it feels a little bit too childish like in, in a weird way i probably actually am now at 31 years old like the perfect <laughs> age to watch it because you kind of just appreciate it for what it is rather than, um, you know, being stymied by the, the mindset of a particular age. Right. Yeah. And, and also that's a great movie that kind of, I would, I would say it almost kind of started the, the Halloween movie spree where a couple of years after that we had Coraline and then, um, Hotel Transylvania's a couple after that. Mm, yeah, that's true. Paranorman, which a lot of people get it mixed up with, was just a couple of years after that. Oh, I still need to watch Paranorman at some point because I've heard it's really good. It is. I mean, it's Leica and Leica we trust. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would I would recommend it. I mean, I I don't I think it's available to watch on Peacock if you are willing to watch it with ads. But otherwise, you can just rent it on iTunes or Amazon, which is what I did. Um, but no, it's mm-hmm. pretty good. So. Watched that this last week, and then also watched Devil from 2010. Have you ever seen that? So the the kid. No, so this is I if, a I don't think I saw this one. M Night Shyamalan produced. Oh, Elevator movie. Yep. Yes, so it's the one where this- all the, everyone's trapped in an elevator, and they might be trapped with the the devil. Like it's not. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a pretty good concept, and I think they get good mileage out of it. Um, I watched it with a bunch of friends. I think I probably enjoyed it the most of everyone, but also at the end of the day, it's essentially like a locked room murder mystery, which is my single favorite genre of all time. So the fact that they did like a pretty good execution of that concept in an elevator while building, like I thought a pretty decent mythology and mystery around the rest of it. I, I overall like liked it. it. You know, it's got a pretty good cast um, in there as well. Chris Messina is the, uh, the main detective and I like him. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's look, it's a, a perfectly good, like decent three star distraction. You know, it's, it's also relatively short. So, it's on HBO max. So, so Chris, here's, here's my thing. I have, I have a personal connection with that movie. You do. Okay. Not, not personal, personal, but like, you know, it's personal to me. Okay. Well, um, yes. <laughs> Which makes this, it personal. This is personal. M- yes. This is M Knight's first movie post last airbender so want to clarify he neither wrote nor directed this he only produced it but his name was visually attached to it at the start of every trailer because i remember this at the start of every trailer for this movie it said m night Shyamalan's devil yes i do remember that as well and they played these trailers in front of scott pilgrim versus the world and the multiple times i saw it in theaters of course and did it just 
uh, further drive home your deep hatred for M. Night Shyamalan after... I, I stood up. I remember the first time seeing Scott Pilgrim with my friends when we were at like the special premiere event and we were all dressed up. The, the name popped up and I stood up in my spot and booed the screen as loud as I could. And my friends joined in, which was very nice. And the rest of the theater joined in because they were very nice people. And I, we were in a collective like cow herd of mooing and booing at this atrocious man's film that he did not write nor direct. I, that is the sort of uh, highly rational thought process that I definitely would have expected <laughs> from, uh, wait, this movie came out in 2010. So seven year old, eight year old Cameron. <laughs> How old do you think I am? Oh no, 17. That's right. I assume I have my math 17. wrong on that. <laughs> You're a child, Cameron. I can't keep track of any of this stuff. I mean, mentally, I was seven, yes. Honestly, the thing is, I could totally see you at seven years old standing up in a theater and booing someone's name. Yes. Seven or 17, I could see it either way. <laughs> I could see you doing it now. I would. I would. I saw him in person. He, I, he was at an event I was at. And you booed and him? It, it took a lot. It took a lot to, to walk away. I mean, I, look, I will, I will say this. I have only seen a handful of M. Night Shyamalan movies. I've never seen uh, his last Airbender film. Although at some point, I feel like I have to watch it to see how, if it actually is as bad as everyone says. It um, is. But you know what? Look, I don't, I don't know what ended up happening with the, uh, the guy who directed um, Devil here. Let's see. Let's see. What, what did you end up doing, John Eric Dowdle? Um, did you have a, a good career? afterwards uh, maybe not so much uh, okay devil as above so below no escape was that the i think that's the owen wilson oh that, that one's decent the owen wilson movie um a bunch of waco and then he's directing maybe the new version of friday in the light so okay but hey, you know what i bet because oh he didn't quarantine okay but you know what i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> at least i'm gonna at least give m night Shyamalan credit um for you know allowing a young filmmaker to get a chance to make a pretty good movie so sure Sure. Yeah. There we go. Also, just to oh, piss and I you know off. he's like a great philanthropist, and I try and remember that every time I get so enraged of like he's done so much to like help the arts across multiple countries, not even just in America. Like, ugh. Oh, but it, I get it. He's still kind of pretty much a good person. He does the yeah. films that he wants to make. It doesn't matter though. It takes you right back to seven it and or seventeen year old Cameron. <laughs> But no, uh, yeah, the, the summarize it all up, Devil, uh, you know, another pretty decent distraction worth checking out. And then uh, the last mm -hmm. plug I have is that uh, our segment of the Watchtower Database's 24-hour birthday bash live stream, where we picked the top five DCAU episodes of their friends over at the DCA Review, is now up on YouTube. Um, yes, And it I'll is. put that in the, uh, the show notes. So, so well worth checking out. It was a super fun conversation and uh i will only just say hashtag justice for over the edge so yes and i only got a little ranty yes you you, you were you were good enough not to get super ranty in front of our guests yes although we were the guests i mean i was gonna say yeah we're the guests i should in have had hosts, free reign yes. to do what i wanted yes you should have you're were, you were kind enough not to you didn't start booing at my Shyamalan in the middle of the recording which was good oh man if someone brought it up i would have i know you would have all right. Well, I think that does it for uh, for bat plugs this week, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and skip your question corner. I'm so sorry, Cameron. There's a, a big fat padlock on it, and I did not bring my lock pick set. 
So we're going to move on from that and just I mean, do, I have uh, the key. I, I have the key no, right no, here. No, sorry. No, uh, the key won't work. Uh, the lock's broken. The only way to get through it is to pick it. And I, I've left those tools in my other pants. You're not so wearing I don't, pants. I am wearing pants. <laughs> I'm wearing shorts. Thank I at you. least had the decency, even if I was over a video call with you, to put on some sort of <laughs> clothing over my crotchal region. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're going to move on from that. We're just going to do some quick notes from friends. Uh, the first is from Maddie who says, shame on you for calling the Green Lantern animated series ugly. It is Maddie. It is. <laughs> I, I, I love that show. It took me like an episode or two to get into it and get adjusted, but that is an ugly show. It, from the stills that I've seen, it's not great. Um, but he also did recommend us covering at some point because technically it is Tim. And I, and I think they... Oh. The, yeah, it is Bruce Tim. They tend to um, kind of headcanon it over at the Watchtower database with the rest of the DCAU. So Okay. I mean, I'd be down for it to, to tack that on at the very end. It, it is a good show. And it, and like to be fair to Maddie, it's a lot of personal opinion. I'm not a big fan of 3D animated serieses. Yes. Um, like I, I also adore Code Oko, but I will, I will say every single time that is an ugly ass show with a great theme song. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Neutron, great show. That is an ugly ass show. That is that is an ugly show. I remember when they did the uh, the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour, and all the characters look better in the uh, the Timmyverse. Yeah, and so. it, it's it's just because like they, I mean, the Green Lantern series did have a pretty good look and it did have like good shading and all that but it's it's hard it 3d animation is expensive and it's hard to mass produce 3 3d animation over a series while keeping the quality up and staying under budget yeah no that's fair and yeah i think at some point we might cover it in some capacity um because it's you know it's not too much of a tangent off of our our normal purview so uh so that was one of the things and then uh, ashley clark also wrote in to say that after our, our ranting about seeing james mcavoy play a butler to patrick stewart she cannot wait for the point when mcavoy is old enough to play alfred yes and our what 14th reboot of batman at that exactly point. which at that point i'll be so tired of batman but you know it'll bring me back james yeah. mcavoy as alfred mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh but she also had some suggestions for uh some celebrity-led shows so she suggested uh olivia coleman animated show which is all about her life as an actress that's like very atypical like not of the hollywood type and I love Olivia Coleman's. So I'd be 100% on board with that. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and then the other suggestion, I thought you would appreciate this in particular. Uh, it was a show around Emma Thompson, Hugh Laurie, and Stephen Fry returning to Cambridge to teach theater. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Or, or her other suggestion was having them get stuck teaching like uh, drama at an American um, like community college. I was, I was about to say, I feel like we'd never really get a show. I feel like we get like art, science, and music teachers get center stage when it comes to animated teachers or even live action teachers. I feel mm-hmm. like we never really get to like sit with a theater teacher yeah. in a series. And if those theater teachers are Emma Thompson, Hugh Laurie, and Stephen Fry, I would be 100% on board. Absolutely. Yes. Like I have, I have so many stories of just my theater teacher, Mr. Myers, and all of his crazy shit and antics. Yeah. I mean, we were also pieces of shit. Because, I mean, theater kids are also all giant pieces of shit. This is true. I mean, Cameron, you've talked about what a piece of shit you were at 7 and or 17 on this very episode. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we we installed a stripper pole in the theater room just because no one ever checked up on us. 
Wait, what? You? Yeah, we had a we had like a special theater commons out by the by the, the by the space, and it was like tucked in the back corner of the school, so no administrative person ever like walked over there. And so one day, someone came in with a metal pole and like pierced it through the ceiling tile. Jesus. <laughs> We also hid a bunch of shit in the ceiling. Uh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. And we, we just all, I mean, it was an all guy school. So like nothing happened, but we right. all acted like strippers for a day. That And it was very fun. Doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Yeah. Also, I don't have that much room to judge. Like my friends and I were also pretty shitty when we were like 16, 17, 18, because it was like, I've said this before, like the, the really smart nerdy kids with like not enough yet social housebreaking. And so we were also pretty terrible. Yeah. But that's just who we are. That's just high schoolers. That's just who we are. And thank God we've totally matured in the last 15 yep. years. A hundred percent matured. <laughs> yes. I didn't have to text my friends to ask me to like to cool me down when I saw M. Night Shyamalan. Nope. <laughs> no. I mean, to be fair, I haven't yet I think seeing you yell at a movie theater since we've been friends. So, I mean, it's, it's only the one it's, it's only, it's only for last day of Ender stuff. Okay. I mean, we must've seen M. Night Shyamalan's name pop up at some point in a movie together. I don't there must've been so. some trailers. Yeah. There, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to try and do the mental due diligence right now to prove that <laughs> or not, but I'm, I'm going to give you credit Cameron for being less of a piece of shit than you were 14 years ago. That's well, all that's well all done. I needed to hear. Well done. Personal growth. Uh, all right. Well, I think that does it for us this week. Uh, if you've got some thoughts on our episodes or if you have suggestions for a, uh, a question for Cameron's Crashing Corner, you can find us at Tim TimTalkPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. And if I'm being yes, perfectly yes. honest, Twitter and Instagram yes. is the best place to go for those two. Uh, and then if you want to find me, I am at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Well, boom, I boom, have not boom. updated either of them since March. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, what about what you, you did like one day's worth of Inktober? Yeah, I haven't posted it yet, though. And I have oh, Jesus Christ, three Cameron. days done now. So we're going to do a week of each <laughs> one week for each drawing. Great. Great. Yes. Well, if you want to eventually see those, you can find Cameron on yes, Instagram. Uh, but no, that does it for us this week. We'll be back next week with some more Justice League. Also with some more Injustice Gang uh, when we <gasps> tackle Fury Parts 1 and 2. Very excited for that. Uh, but until then, thanks for listening, everyone. And goodbye. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.